If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, we have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Raise your hand. Use one of our Bibles. Let's all turn in the Scripture to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. But thanks be to God, it says, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say that out loud. Read that out loud together. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He gives us what? The victory. We've been on a series now for a few weeks entitled Thanksgiving Victory. And we're looking at the connection between the two. And it is strong and it is broad. And uh, the Lord spoke some things to me about this a number of years ago. And I thought I saw a little bit about what he meant, but in recent times, I'm seeing I barely scratched the surface of what he said to me when he said a phrase or two. We'll be talking about that, but I am really stirred up over this, and I believe that this series is one of the most significant teachings the Lord's given me. And that's saying a lot, because he's given us some very strong things and wonderful things, but this is so much bigger than how it may appear to many at first glance. When people hear about, you know, thanking God, they think, oh yeah, that's good. And and most everybody knows it's good to thank God. And it is good. But it's much more. It's much more than what you might think at first. Now, thanks be to God who gave us the victory? No. What? It's present tense. A lot of folk have... Learned how to thank God for what has happened. But this is a revelation that will bring you into a whole new realm. Learning how to thank God for what you don't yet see. What you've not yet experienced. And that, now you're really getting into some faith, aren't you? Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. The evidence of things what? Not seen. And so if you're thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God for what you hadn't seen, (laughs) you must believe something. You must be in faith. And I found it's one of the easiest and most enjoyable ways to get in faith and stay in faith. It's just thank God, thank God. Thank God, thank God, get up in the morning thanking God, go through the day thanking God, lay down at night thanking God. If a good report comes, thank God, thank God. If a bad report comes, thank God for the answer. What you don't yet see, you know, you get slapped with a terrible, terrible news or bad, bad report yourself or somebody else. The natural response is to be alarmed, get in fear, start getting depressed, start going down. That is unbelief. Absolutely no faith. But you can train yourself, friend. 
You can train yourself so that anything that comes up that challenges you, you say, Lord, I just ask you to show me what to do about this right now. And you don't have to ask another hundred times. Now what do you do? You go through the rest of the day, Lord, every time it comes up and tries to bother you or worry you or scare you, you say, no, no, no. Lord, I thank you for showing me what to do on that. I thank you for bringing in plenty of money to take care of that. I thank you for healing my body and doing whatever needs to be done so that that's not a problem. I thank you. This is faith. And it is strong faith. And it is so simple. It's so simple. Three-year-old could do it. Thank you, Lord. But if it's so simple, why are so many people not doing it? Look at the next one. 2 Corinthians 2, just a page over or so in my Bible. Verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Read that part again. Now thanks be unto God. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now thanks be unto God. Which always causes us to triumph. Does that sound good? Always triumphing. He didn't say you'd never have any challenges or anything come before you. But if you always triumph over it, that's pretty good. I mean, the best would be not having to deal with it, but he didn't promise you you were never going to have to deal with anything. Some people have left the wrong impression that if you have enough faith, you'll never have to deal with anything. That's not true. The Word didn't say that. The Lord didn't say that. What he did say is that he always causes us to triumph. But notice again what's connected with that victory that always, this is not, again, not past tense. It's present and future. Always causes. Right? He's not just talking about what has happened. He's talking about what's going to happen. And he's thanking God for. He's not just thanking God for a few victories yesterday and today. He's talking about triumphing from now on. Isn't he? Always. That's definitely thanking God for something you have not seen. Or felt. Are experienced yet. So we're a thanking God. For our buildings and houses and lands. We're thanking God for all our debts being reduced. And eliminated. We're thanking God for our healing. Thanking God for our marriages being stable and strong. Thanking God for our kids getting straight and being right. And staying straight and our grandkids we're thanking God for our businesses coming out and, and flourishing and paying off all our debts come on now this is the way this is the way to victory every time but if you don't do it if you get to looking at the problems if you get to thinking about how much you owe and how far behind you are and how slow things are and how long has it been since the sale and how you got no contracts coming up and you got you don't have this and how so and so's worse now than they were three months ago and your symptoms are worse now? You get to looking at that and talking about that, you will stop being thankful. You will cease giving thanks and you'll begin to complain and be unthankful. 
And you'll gripe and you'll complain about this and you'll be sad and you'll be depressed. And friend, that road goes all the way down to destruction, premature death, total failure, losing everything. That's where it goes. And the Bible said, you know, there's a way that seems right to people. And there's millions of people on this path and it just seems normal to them to yield to depression and to be afraid and to talk the fear and to talk the unbelief. And so none of them are surprised when they go off the deep end and fail. But there's another way. I said there's another way. There is victory in Jesus. There there is total triumph in the Lord. And yet people say, well, I wish he would do it. You know, I know he can do it if it's his will, but I wish he would. And they think they're waiting on him, and they're not. He told us what to do. It's not just all up to him. He told us to be overcomers, didn't he? He told us to resist the devil. He told us not to be afraid. He told us all things were possible to us when we believed, didn't he say it? So, let's get to it. Let's get our mouth in gear. Doing what? Let's get our lips in motion. (laughs) Let's get our hands up. Let's strengthen those feeble knees. Let's get up those hands that hang down. Let's get some praise in our mouth. Let's make our tongue do its duty. Especially when you don't feel like it. Especially when you get a bad report. All the more reason. Now's the time. Now's the critical time. That you don't sit down here and feel sorry for yourself, but that you throw them hands up and say, Lord, I'm thanking you. I am thanking you right now for bringing me out. Because you said you always cause me to triumph. Now, let me say this in touching on this. You do need to ask. Don't start thanking before you ask. I hear people make a mistake in this area all the time. And it's not my job to try to correct everybody. but I need to correct myself. But uh, go with me to Matthew 18. And, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. What the scripture say? James, you have not because. Is asking important? Can you just skip asking? A lot of people do. I'm talking about faith people so called. Word people so called. You see this just commonly, frequently. Matthew 18, 19. You familiar with this verse? Jesus said, again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth, they'll have it. Have you seen people? Maybe done it yourself? Agree with me about this. All right, I agree with you. They take off. Did they do that verse? We agree. You agree on what? Yeah. What are you agreeing on? Well, I'm agreeing with them that they'll have plenty of money. Did you ask for the money? Well, no, we're just agreeing. Did he tell you to do that? Just grab hands and agree. Come on, read it carefully. What did he tell us to do? I'm not trying to be technical. This is important. If any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. 
You haven't done this verse until and unless you've asked something. Right? They shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now, it don't take long to ask. And once you've asked, if you ask in faith, you don't have to ask another hundred times. You don't even have to ask another time. And so it don't take long to ask. What do we do with ourselves after we ask? <laughs> and what do we do the rest of the day? And what do we do the, the night and the next day? And That's what keeps you occupied the rest of the time. But you're not ready to thank God until you have asked and released your faith. I'm reading the scripture. You understand that, right? I'm reading, I'm reading this right here. So watch about just, in fact, uh, a lot of people are too quick on agreeing. You know, the truth is, when you get right down to it, you can't agree with everybody on everything. Somebody asks you to agree with them in faith, they're asking you to have faith. And faith is real. Let's not pretend. And faith is a commitment. Did you hear me? And faith is not based on nothing. It's based on solid Word of God and revelation that it's for me and it's the will of God. There's been too much foolish motion in these areas. People just saying stuff and hollering, I agree with me on it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And you know, nothing happens. And they wonder why. Well, that must not have been the will of God. No. If we're going to do it, take it serious. Sometimes you may not be ready to do it right then. You may need to think about it. Look at some scripture on it. and Ponder it in your heart. And then when you do, come into agreement. You know, maybe join hands or stand up before the Lord and say, Lord, you said if any two of us would agree as touching anything we ask, you'd do it for us. So right now we're touching this thing and we're agreeing together and we're asking you for this $10,000 to pay this thing off. And we believe we receive and we agree together. Now what are we doing? We are in faith. We are expecting this thing to happen. And what keeps us occupied till we see it come to pass? <laughs> Every time you think about it, you thank God, thank God, thank God. Don't play with the things of God. It hurts your faith when you pray and don't get results. It hurts your faith when you make confessions and they don't happen. It hurts your faith when you play with agreement and nothing happens because you didn't really do it. This works. I said this. Phyllis and I have done this I don't know how many times. And absolutely came to pass. But we don't do it off the cuff. We don't do it just blasé. We take it seriously. And we only do it when we, she and I both know. Yeah, this is the will of God. Yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah, this is right. We're in agreement with Him. We're in agreement with His Word. We're in agreement with each other. And we're going to ask. And that's it. That's it. It's all over but the coming to pass, you know. So then we keep ourselves occupied every time. You don't have to think about it night and day. But when it crosses your mind, what do you do? Thank you, Lord. We agreed. We asked. Thank you for it. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it. Did you have another verse before we went to that one? Go with me to Matthew 16 then while you're thinking about it. Matthew 16 
Jesus said, who do men say I am, the Son of Man am? They said, some say, this is verse 14, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. He said, who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, the Father did. And down in verse uh, 21, Jesus began to show the disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, how he must suffer many things with the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. You know, nothing that happened to Jesus in the mock trial, the scourging, the crucifixion, none of that took him by surprise. The Lord had showed him already. Now, he's not walking in omniscience as God. He's walking as a man. He's laid aside. He didn't cease being God, but he emptied himself of his abilities as God and became a man. How do he do that? He's God. He can do things like that. But he was not surprised by any of that. And when he said that, verse 22, Peter, who just made this bold statement about him being the Christ, the Son of God, he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Whew. And he said, be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. The margin says, pity yourself. Pity yourself. And he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're in offense to me. Other scriptures say, the NET says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. The English version says, get away from me, Satan. You're an obstacle in my way. The God's Word translation says, get out of my way, Satan. You're tempting me to sin. The BBE, the basic English says, get out of my way, Satan. You are a danger to me. Now, this is one of the strongest reactions we see of Jesus, isn't it? I mean, throughout the account of the good news, this is one of the strongest. I don't believe Jesus was a rash individual. Do you? I don't believe his emotions were out of control. He didn't wheel around and yell at people and and then think better of it. And yet, this is a very strong response. I think he said it with some volume. Just look at the nature of the statement. I think all the other guys heard him. I think Peter was pretty embarrassed. But it was necessary. I said it was necessary. Had to be. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't necessary. But what's the issue? Why so strong? Why didn't he just take Peter by the shoulder and go, Peter, you're thinking the wrong thing. Don't be trying to rebuke me. I know what I'm talking about. Why wouldn't that have sufficed? Because he said it in this translation we just read. You're a danger to me. You're tempting me. What's going on? This is something Jesus cannot play with. What? Oh, oh, you, this is not right for you to be maltreated, for you to be killed, for you to be all this to happen to you, because he didn't deserve it. 
He's never sinned. He's never broken the laws of God or man. He's perfect. He deserves no punishment. And that's why Peter spoke up and said, no, Lord, no. You're talking about being treated like a criminal? You're talking about being executed? No. No. If anybody that ever lived don't deserve any of that, you don't deserve it. And Jesus could not tolerate him finishing his uh, thoughts. Did you hear me? He wheeled around. He said, you get behind me, Satan. You're a danger to me. Well, friend, if this was a danger to Jesus, how strong should we be in resisting it? How intolerant of this kind of thinking should we be if he was this way about it? What thinking is it? The margin says, pity thyself. Pity thyself. Pity thyself. I brought a book of Brother Hagin's in which he described a vision and experience he had with the Lord. And in it, he goes into detail about how the Lord taught him about how the enemy can get a hold of people, even God's people, if they'll let him. And you can trace it and see it. It is this right here. It is this thinking. Now we went back just a couple of sessions ago and we saw and studied about Ahab. You remember that if you were here? If not, you know, go back and get the CD or DVD, download it for free on the internet. And we saw how Ahab had everything materially. He's king. He's got vineyards. He's got orchards. He's got farms galore. He's got the best clothes. The man ain't tied his shoes since he's, you know, been adult. I mean, he's fed to find his food. He's got everything. And he fixated on Naboth's vineyard and absolutely forgot about everything else he had and became completely ungrateful and obsessed. Somebody say obsessed. Obsessed. Obsessed in his thinking about this thing that he should have and that Naboth should sell it to me. I'm the king. I should have it. But it wasn't his. It was Naboth's. And it was Naboth's to say no. But he had it all fixed up in his mind that of course Naboth is going to say yes. I'm the king. Of course it's going to be mine before dark. And he was shocked when Naboth said, no, I can't. The Lord told me no. Sorry. But how many understand he could have got in his fine chariot. And went and checked on his other 25 vineyards. And given thanks to God for his prosperity. Right? He could have went and looked at his other orchards. And his farmland. He could have went and raced chariots. And raced a different one every day of the week. For the next three weeks. He could have done all kind of stuff. Other than. Go pile up in the bed. And feel sorry for himself. Pity himself because of what didn't happen for him. Because when he did, he opened the door wide open to the devil to come in there. And as he's wallowing in that self-pity, 
His evil wife Jezebel came in there and she petted him and nursed and encouraged his self-pity. And one thing led to another and there was lying and there was deception and there was murder and there was stealing. Stealing and killing and destroying. What does that sound like? How did he get in? A thought. I should have that vineyard. Are there dangerous thoughts? Other people may not even know they came to you. You know, you may have never said anything about it. But friend, there are thoughts that are the difference between life and death. Go with me to two openings here. Go to Romans 8. Then we'll go over to 2 Corinthians 10. Romans 8. Verse 5. Romans 8, 5. They that are after the flesh do mind. What does it mean, mind? Mind means to keep on your mind. Think about Mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. He didn't say it was like death. Could result in some death. What did he say? It's death. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Boy, that's a difference, isn't it? Death and, of course, the torment that comes with it versus life and peace. And the difference is what you keep on your mind. How can you discern between carnal and spiritual from these verses? What you got on your mind. Does that reveal the difference between carnal people and spiritual people? It's just that simple. Carnal people have got this stuff on their mind all the time. Spiritual people have got the other things on their mind all the time. Carnal people, a spiritual thought might come to them, but they cast it down. Spiritual people, carnal thoughts may come to them, but they cast them down. <laughs> it's just the truth. Now, probably the absolute favorite subject of the carnal mind is me. I mean, if the mind had a video display on the forehead of a carnal mind, you would notice that on every channel is <laughs> something about me. Even the commercials are about me. And that's why carnal folks are so unhappy. Because that much of you is just sickening. <laughs> or me either. The Bible said the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they're spirit and life. What could you think on other than you? His words. That's what he told us to think on, didn't he? He said, this word, it's not to depart from your eyes. You're to meditate on it. Day and night, you're to keep it in your mind and on your heart. It's the directions for being healed, isn't it? Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Attend to them. Well, 
You can't do that and think about how sick you are. At the same time. You can't. It's a choice. Even though hardly anybody will notice. If you only think and talk about how sick you are and how bad you feel. That is being carnal. And being carnally minded. And what did Romans 8 say the result of it is? Death. There is something else you could think about. I know sometimes the symptoms may be alarming and they may be distracting and the reports may be evil. I know that. But you got a choice to make here. And you can choose to look at something else. You can choose to thank God about how much life you've already had and experienced. You can choose to be positive. And you can choose to think on Psalm 91 where he said, With long life I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. And you can check your heart and you can go, You know, I'm not quite satisfied yet. So I believe I'll claim me some more. And you can meditate on all things are possible to him that believes. You can meditate on how big he is. How many other people he's healed. How many other folks should have been dead a long time ago. And they're healthier than ever 20 years later. And he's no respecter of persons. And nothing's too hard for the Lord. You think about that all the time. It's going to minister life to you. It's going to minister peace to your mind. All you got to do is look at what it's doing to you. To discern whether you are being carnal or spiritual. What is it doing to you? Are you depressed? Are you scared? Are you down? Then it's obvious. You've been thinking on the wrong stuff. And it's entirely your fault. You could have chosen to think and talk about something else. It's within your power. You may not have the power to just grimace your face and change your symptoms. Or just scrunch up your eyes and make the money appear. You don't have that power. You don't need that power. You know who does have it. That's not your job. But you do have the power to choose what you think about. You do have, no matter what's going on. You can look away from every, I don't care how bad it is, how alarming it is, how stressful it is. You can choose to look away from it and put your eyes on Jesus and think about what he said. And friend, that's power. I said, that's power. Now, the devil lies to people continuously. I've talked to I don't know how many people that have told me, I just can't. I try to, but I can't keep from thinking about it. That's a lie. Yes, I try to think on the right thing, but I just can't. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't let the devil, don't let him deceive you now. I know a person was talking to me one time. They'd been in and out of mental institutions for years and had all kind of terrible problems. And I was trying to help them and the Lord prompted me to go to Joshua, what I just quoted a few minutes ago. And this book of the law, the Word of God, will not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate in it night and day. We've been talking about meditating what he said night and day. And they just stopped me. They said, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's impossible. You're going to meditate in the Word of God night and day. You can't do that. They were real forceful about it. I just stopped and I said, well, apparently the Lord didn't know that. 
I'm not the one that wrote this. <laughs> this is not my idea. This was in here a long time before my grandpa was born. Apparently the Lord knows you can do it since he told you to do it. And him knowing the end from the beginning and all that you can and can't do. He must have already known what you could do before he told you to do it. Well, I just don't see how. I don't see how. And it came up in my spirit just like that. I saw it. I said, no, brother. I said, listen, you're, you're thinking wrong. I said, you are already thinking on something night and day. You are already meditating. Keeping something on your mind night and day. It's not like you're going to try to do that. You're already doing it. And obviously it's been the wrong thing. Because meditating in the Word of God night and day didn't get you in the mental institution. Because Isaiah 26.3 said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Do you believe that if you were to keep your mind stayed on him, he would keep you in perfect peace? Well, then you're not going to lose your mind why are you in perfect peace? You're not going to go off the deep end. Why are you are basking in perfect peace? What if you've been scared out of your head? What if you've been worried? What if you've been distressed? It's obvious. You've been thinking on the wrong thing. You've been carnal. You've been carnally minded. And we've all done some of this here and there. But let's grow up. I said let's grow up. Let's put it behind us. It's dangerous. It results in death. All kind of forms of death. It results in losing something. To be spiritually minded is what? Say it out loud. Life and peace. Say it again. Life and peace. Say it again. Life and peace. What if you keep the right thing on your mind night and day? Come on, help me out. What? what? Life and peace. Life, it doesn't matter what you think on. It is so critical, friends. People have been loose with their minds. Most Christians know you're not supposed to be loose with your body. You're not supposed to just get involved with anybody and everybody you see physically. People know that. But they don't realize your mind is just as important or more so. And if you just entertain every thought that comes across your mind, you're being loose. You're being promiscuous. Did you hear me? You heard people say, well, you know, as long as you don't act on it, it's okay to think about it. It is not. Where did you get that? Well, it's harmless. I'm just, you know, nobody knows. I'm just thinking about it. It is not harmless. I'm telling you, death is in the wings. Dangerous to think on the wrong thing. Dangerous. Thinking on the wrong thing has ruined many a marriage. Thinking on the wrong thing has destroyed many a business. Thinking on the wrong thing has worked death and destroyed many a church, many a minister. Many a ministry. Can God help you. To control your mind. Do you have the power. To keep your mind where it should be. I didn't say you'd done it all the time. I said do you have the power. Is it possible. Has to be since the Lord told you what to do. 
Has to be. Now let's go on and look more specifically. 2 Corinthians 10. At exactly how to do this. 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter. Verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. That's not how you deal effectively with things. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now there's a lot of folk that read that. And came up with their own ideas about what that meant. And they went and got them some helmets and some boots. And went up to the highest floor and highest peak. And screamed and sweated and yelled at the devil for hours. Bringing down a stronghold. But they should have read the next verse. I said they should have read the next verse because, now stop and think about it. What is combat boots and helmets? Carnal. Carnal means flesh, natural. What's screaming and sweating? Flesh, natural. And he just got through saying, that's not our weapons. (laughs) Now I'm not knocking anybody. 30 years ago I did some of it myself. That's how I know so much about it. Phyllis said she didn't do it. No, she didn't. She stayed out of it. (laughs) But what does the next verse say? See, pulling down of strongholds, and there's not even a period there. The thought is flowing into the next verse. How do we pull down strongholds? Read it. Casting down imaginations. Is this important? Yes, sir. What's an imagination? It's something you see in your mind. Image see. You're not seeing it naturally. You're seeing it in your mind. You're thinking on it. You're imagining it. Imaging it. Seeing it in your mind's eyes, they say. Are there things that would come to you to look at and to think about in your mind that you should be very aggressive in throwing down? Can you see that that's what Jesus was doing? When Peter is telling him, pity yourself, this shall not be to you, that's bringing an image to Jesus. That's bringing a thought to him. And man, he did not put up with that for one millisecond. He wheeled around. He said, get out of here. Get behind me. He couldn't afford To think about it for a moment. I mean what is going on in the garden. When he's sweating blood. This is not easy. This is pressure. What's going on here. It's not because he was weak. Not because he was scared. He's stronger than anybody's ever been strong on the earth. He no fear. But what's going on. What did he say. Father if there's any way. Let this cup pass from me. His sinless, spotless, pure being is going to be made sin with every horrible, terrible sin that men and women have ever committed or ever will commit. It's going to converge on his spotless, sinless insides. He didn't just empathize with sin. The Bible said he became sin. That's what he's pulling back from. And when he did, sin can't be joined to the Father. 
He was separated. That's when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the full brunt of the judgment of God fell on him. And he didn't deserve it. Are y'all with me now? He didn't deserve any of it. None of it. But could he afford to think about how he didn't deserve it? The Bible said, don't you know I can call on the Father and he'll send me legions of angels? How many know he could have opened his mouth hanging on that cross and called on justice and called on deliverance and been delivered? And you and I'd be lost. You understand, he could not let himself think for one minute, I don't have to be here. I don't deserve to be. He couldn't let himself think it at all. He had to keep his face like Flynn. Casting down. Imaginations. Cast is a strong word. It means throw down. Imaginations and what? Every. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what Adam and Eve should have done in the garden. When God told them, you eat the fruit, you'll die. That's the knowledge of God. And then what the devil come and say? No, you won't really die. What was it time to do? Was that a dangerous thought? Was that a dangerous imagination? It was time for them to grab that and fling that to the ground and say, don't you dare stand there and tell me that my father lied to me. Exalt what you're saying above what he said? If he said it's wrong, it's wrong. End of story. If he said it's sin, it's sin. If he said this is the way, this is the way. And anything that comes to you. See, wasn't that what was happening with Jesus? These thoughts were coming to try to get him to not go through. To deviate from the plan of God. He couldn't tolerate that for a moment. He couldn't look at that and listen to that for one moment. Nor can you and I afford to do it. But we need to be aggressive. We need to be aggressive. Was Jesus aggressive? Did he wheel around? Did he say, get behind me, Satan? Then we need to be aggressive. When thoughts come to us, the Lord will help us to see them and realize, man, this is a dangerous thought. What do you do? Throw it down and bring into captivity what? 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 Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Are you reading the New Testament? Which thoughts? What percentage of the thoughts that you think throughout the day? How many thoughts? Now this is where a lot of people might chime in like that guy said. You can't do that. Every thought. Yeah. Every thought. And if everything's fine, a lot of times you won't even notice. It'll just be a normal flow. But when something's wrong, the Lord lets you know. He'll let you know. Don't think on that. Don't look at that. That's not right. Nobody else may know. You might not ever slow down. You might be talking about something else. But a thought comes across your mind. It's death. It can ruin you. It can steal everything you got. 
Come on, now think about how did you and I get to the place where we got tornadoes, hurricanes, wars, death, famine, and terrible tragedy in the earth? God didn't create it. Adam and Eve didn't have it. How did we get here? Started with a thought, didn't it? You won't die. You won't really die. I know God told you that, but you won't. And they listened to it. Bible said Eve was deceived. She bought it. And for whatever reason, you know, Adam, he wanted to stay with Eve. I don't know what was going through his mind, but he knew it wasn't right and just went on and did it anyway. Made his sin all the more serious. And the devil works exactly the same way today. How does he try to destroy you? See, people are yelling and screaming at the devil. People are waving flags and putting on boots and doing all. Listen. This is happening between people's ears. This is how the devil tries to destroy you. This is how he tries to destroy your marriage, you as a parent, you as a man of God. How does he do it? He brings thoughts. Dangerous. Defiling thoughts. That he knows. Your flesh has a propensity to want to think on. How did he get Adam and Eve? Brought that thought to him. How's he trying to get Jesus? A thought through somebody close to him. We need to know a bad thought no matter who it comes from. And where it comes through. Sometimes you'll have something and 90% of it is just good and great. And then at the end, ooh, a bad one. A bad thought. Or somewhere in the middle. But you should be prepared. You're not helpless. You got weapons. Somebody say, I got weapons. Oh yeah, you got weapons. Did you notice what kind of thing you have in the armor of God? Ephesians talks about. There is a helmet. (laughs) What's the helmet for? Put over that head. Right there is a helmet that goes over your head. There's armor for your head. And that's not all. You got the breastplate of righteousness. You got loins gird up with truth. You got the preparation, gospel of peace on your feet. You got the shield of faith. You got the sword of the spirit. You got weapons. You got weapons. You have weapons you have the ability to deal with any thought if you will or you can know better and still choose to dwell on it I'm talking about tongue talking church going DVD playing people you can choose I can, any of us can choose go ahead and think on it meditate on it after all who's going to know well, the devil knows. He's the one who brought it to you. You know, he rejoices over it. He likes defiling you. He'll make fun of you. He'll mock you. Yeah, you told other people, let's do that. And here you're doing it yourself. Destroy your faith. God knows. And if you do it long enough, a lot of other people are going to find out too. Because it'll work out. Death comes. Tell me what we do. When do we do this? You do not play with these thoughts. You grab it. You throw it down. 
you take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Do you believe this? Is it possible for every one of us to do this? Do we have power in the Holy Spirit? Do we have the name of Jesus? We may not be able to control everything around about us, but we can control what we think on and what we talk about. We do have it within our control. Even if it's all around us, we can close our eyes and focus on something else. Nobody can make us do it differently. We have that power within us. God's made us this way. And he's given us the greater one to help us. So never say again, I can't keep from thinking about it. That's a lie. Don't say it. Don't you believe it. It's not true. I'm going to read to you the excerpt of what I was talking about. Brother Hagin said he was in a meeting, staying in a pastor's home many years ago. And they had a sandwich Said the pastor's little daughter, she said, when are you going to put me to bed? Because he always put her to bed. And they'd been talking about the scriptures and let time get away from them. And he said, well, let's just kneel down right here and pray and you can go to bed. And he's going to get back up and sit down. They're going, he and Brother Hagin's going to keep talking about the word. And they kneeled down to pray. And when they did, Brother Hagin said he no more expected it. These are his words. than he expected to be the next man on the moon or Mars. And he said when he knelt down, he knelt down into a cloud. Into the glory of God. And he saw the head of the church, and he taught him for a length of time about the devil and how he works and about uh, the activity of wrong spirits. And this is from his book, I Believe in Visions, and I won't get into all of it. It's not our time or purpose to, but this one portion, I believe, is very, very relative, and I didn't know of a better way to say it. And when Revelation comes like this, it's not just for him. It's for the body. And so listen to this as he describes it and see how it ties in with what we're talking about. He said, the Lord said to him, now I will show you how these evil spirits get a hold of people when they're allowed to. Did you hear that phrase? When they're what? He said, this is what Jesus told him. These are Jesus' words. He said, the Lord said this to me. He said, suddenly in the vision, I saw a woman. I immediately recognized her as being the former wife of a minister. I had been introduced to her and her husband on one occasion. Other than that, I didn't know either one of them, and I had no communication with either one of them in any way. I only knew and heard that she had left her husband. And the Lord said, this woman was a child of mine. She was in the ministry with her husband. She was filled with the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit were operating in her life. One day, an evil spirit came to her and whispered in her ear, You are a beautiful woman. You could have had fame, popularity, and wealth. But you've been cheated in life by following in the Christian walk. Did you hear this, friend? How does the enemy work? How does he try to destroy? Now, hear the nature of the thought. Couldn't you sum it up by the words of our text, the marginal rendering? Pity yourself? Couldn't you sum it up with that? Why? You're too beautiful and too talented 
to be the pastor's wife of this little bitty insignificant Pentecostal church. You have skills. You're not appreciated here. Somebody say dangerous. Dangerous. We're not just talking about her. If we don't know how to relate to this and recognize it when it comes to our life. I didn't say if. Then you're going to be in trouble. He might not tell you you're beautiful. He might not tell you, you know, she was a skilled singer. I know some of the rest of the story. She had a voice. And the enemy is telling her, your talents are wasted in this little church. You could be as big as any of the stars, any of the famous singers. You're better looking than this one and this one and this one and this one. You got a better voice than so and so and so and so and so and you know it. And here you are stuck in this little church singing for 20 people. Somebody say dangerous, dangerous. Say it again, dangerous. dangerous. How dangerous is this? Death dangerous. The woman realized that this was an evil spirit. Isn't that what we talked about a while ago? Will the Lord let you know? Oh, certainly. You don't, she's not confused about whether this is okay or not. She knows. And she realized it. And she said, get behind me, Satan. Isn't that exactly what Jesus taught us to say? That what he said? And the Spirit left her for a period. He is a persistent cuss. Have you found it out? Resist the devil and what will happen? And then if he comes back tomorrow and you resist the devil, what will happen? And what if he comes back every day with the same thing for the next year and you resist him every day for the next year, what will happen? He'll flee. And what if he comes back one more time and you don't resist him? It's not enough to just have resisted in times past. If it was wrong then, and if it was wrong yesterday, if it was wrong last year, if it was wrong ten years ago, it's still wrong. Nobody gets to the place where they have grown and developed so much that now they can toy with this. And you never will. Nobody can. If the master, if the master, if the head of the church wheels around and says, get behind me. Why in the world would we think we could play with it? Or toy with it. He left her for a period. By and by, the same spirit returned. Now, I'm understand this is real. This is not fairy tale. This is not imagination. She didn't see anything. But these things are real. And it's not for us to be afraid of them or be concerned. We need to understand how they work. They bring thoughts. They bring thoughts and they bring feelings. And suggestions. And images. And they'd prefer you don't even believe in the devil. Makes their job easier. Because you're not going to resist. But you don't even believe it's there. By and by the same spirit returned. He sat on her shoulder. And whispered in her ear. This is. Precious revelation. Head of the church gave us this. Because he wanted us to know. Wanted us to have details about it. It's in the Bible. He wanted to just give us additional details and stir us up about it. Notice, this spirit's not in her. She's a child of God. 
What happened? Came and sat on her shoulder. This is from the outside. Whispered in her ear. You're a beautiful woman. You've been robbed by taking this lowly walk of Christianity and living this separated life. Nobody appreciates you here. This is a waste of your talents. Your husband doesn't know what he had. The people don't know what you are. Somebody say dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Come on, can you recognize this? Say it again, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. What's the undercurrent of this? I should have better. I deserve better. I don't deserve this. Pity yourself. Again, she recognized this as Satan. And she said, Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus. And he left her for a while. Do we have weapons, friends? And when you resist, what has to happen? Say, I got weapons. What do you think, though? But he came back again and sat on her shoulder, whispering the same things in her ear. What things? You're a beautiful woman. You've been robbed. You could have money. You could live in a big house. You could be famous. You've got a voice. You have a voice. You have a gift. And you're beautiful. And you're in this little church. And you're going nowhere. And you're going to stay here. And you're going to lose your beauty and get old. Your life's going to be swallowed up with insignificance. You could be somebody. Somebody said dangerous, dangerous. Say it again, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. This time she began to entertain these thoughts. For she liked to think. That she was beautiful. You know what James says? Don't let anybody say when they're tempted. I'm tempted of God. For God doesn't tempt anybody. He can't be tempted with evil. And he doesn't tempt anybody with evil. But every man is tempted. When he or she is drawn away. Of their own lust or desire. And enticed. Now he's enticing her. But you have to have something to entice. She likes to think about how beautiful she is. And that's the hook. It didn't work for several times. And I don't know how much time passed over this. But that was the hook that he finally got into. Because she liked to think about how pretty she was. She began to think along the lines the devil suggested to her. And she became obsessed with that thinking. She is being now carnally minded, isn't she? She's thinking about this all the time. She's going through the motion. She's going to services. She's preparing meals. She's getting ready and coming home. She's washing dishes and cleaning the floor and thinking about night and day. Now, she's got a spiritual principle at work, doesn't she? Because we're supposed to keep the Word of God and His good things on our mind night and day, and it works in us. 
it, it causes things to form in us. Christ to be formed in us. The devil hadn't created anything. He just perverts what God has done and God's principles and methods. And so she's pondering this night and day. And what's happening in her the more she thinks about how she's been cheated and how she's been robbed and how nobody appreciates how pretty she is and how well she can sing and how rare her talents. Tell me what's happening in her. She's getting bitter. Would she be thankful at all? No. So that's what happens. She's not thankful for their church? No. She despises it. This is what's holding her back. Thankful for her husband? No. He's her problem. Thankful? No. And friend, this is dangerous. What you become unthankful for, you are in danger of losing. Is this important? Could it save your life? Learning how to handle this. Could it save your marriage? Could it save your ministry? Then in the vision, I saw the woman become transparent like glass. The Lord's showing him this. And I saw a black dot in her mind. And the Lord said, that dot represents the fact she is obsessed in her thinking with this spirit. The Lord said, at first, she was oppressed on the outside. But as she allowed the devil's suggestion to take hold of her thoughts, her mind became obsessed. So there's oppression from the outside. If you don't let it in, it can never go any further than that. But if you let it in, it can get in your mind. If you get to thinking on it night and day, you become obsessed with it. Now you've given place to the enemy in your mind. As she allowed the devil's suggestion to take hold of her thoughts, her mind became obsessed. She wanted to think, I'm a beautiful woman. I could have had wealth and popularity, but I've been robbed in life. Say it again, dangerous, dangerous. Still, it wasn't too late. She could have resisted. She could have refused to think those thoughts. Then the evil spirit would have fled from her and she would have remained free. The Lord's saying this. Could she have stayed free? Yes, but she chose otherwise. Chose to think on it. And I'm sure, you know, maybe her husband, he's with her. He doesn't know she's thinking that. He might see telltale signs of it here and there, but there's already a major problem. Finally, she left her husband. Went out into the world, seeking the fame and wealth which the devil had offered her. Didn't Jesus, wasn't he tempted like that too? And the devil try to, you know, draw him and say, look at all this, I'll give it to you. She left her husband, she went out into the world, seeking the fame and wealth which the devil offered. She took up with one man after another. After a time, that thing got down into her spirit. In the vision I saw the black dot move from her head to her heart. And I heard the woman say, I don't want the Lord anymore. Leave me alone. Now let's just stop right here. How did this start? Where did this start? Way back here. I said, Lord, why are you showing this to me? You want me to pray for this woman? You want me to cast the devil out of her? 
He said, no, I don't want you to pray or cast the devil out of her. You couldn't anyway. She wants that spirit. And as long as she wants it, she can have it. My, my, my. How dangerous. How serious. There's much more here I won't go into, but he went on to say a little bit later that it's sad that this woman left her husband for another man. But adultery is not the unpardonable sin. If she had turned back to me, the Lord said in repentance, even though she might have had a hundred men, I would have forgiven her. Whatever she might have done, if she had asked me to forgive her, I would have. If she had been a baby Christian, when she said, I don't want Jesus anymore, leave me alone. And she didn't realize what she was doing, I would have forgiven her. If she had done that because she was tempted or pressed beyond measure, I would have forgiven her. But she knew exactly what she was doing. And she was willful when she said, I don't want him anymore. Therefore, I tell you not to pray for her. Wow. Now, friend, one reason I shared this with you, I believe it's rich, rich with revelation. But this one simple thing. I wanted to emphasize how dangerous this self-pity stuff is. This People haven't emphasized enough. They, they've taught hug each other and pat each other and try to come. Friend, it's time to wheel around and say, I rebuke you. Get behind me. God's done too much for me. I got so much to be thankful for. I dare not let myself think about what somebody owes me, what they should be doing for me, what they didn't do for me, what I could have, what I should. It's dangerous, 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 dangerous. Cost her everything. Cost her her marriage. Cost her her ministry. Cost her her life. Cost her her honor. Cost her her salvation. I know some folks don't like that. But that's what he said. Lord's able to keep us as long as we want to be kept. Why would the Lord have us talking about this now? What's going on? Well, there have been attacks. There have been concerted attacks. God's got great things in the works for us as a family, as a church. He does. And the enemy is trying to hinder it. He's attacked people in their mind. He's bringing thoughts. He's attacked marriages. He's attacked businesses. But he's a defeated foe. And all he can do is what we let him in to do. And I'm saying tonight, I got weapons. (laughs) I got weapons. I got the greater one inside me. I got the name of Jesus. I got the word of God. And I can meet stuff at the door. And I can say, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, I'm not thinking about that. How dare me think about that? God has blessed me. He's done this for me. He's done that for me. And just get into thanking mode. Thanking mode. Thanking mode. And if I'll do that, he can never get me into depression. He can never get me to yield to temptation. He can never steal and destroy my life. Nor yours. Do you believe it? (laughs) You look like you do. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today 
free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.